0: Welcome back Bible Readers. This is The Rooted Podcast and this is week number 10. And this week starts some new reading in the month of March. So yeah, we're already talking about March and I think that's good because the more we talk about March, the more I think about spring, plants, flowers, growth, not all this snow and ice. So this uh, month you'll be reading, at least the first part of the month, you'll be reading passages related to Jesus, and this time we're going to call it Jesus, the religious scholar. And all these passages this week um, are going to talk about his confrontations with the religious leaders. Mm-hmm. Now, the rest of the week—excuse me—the rest of the month, you're actually going to start a series of reads or of uh, reading through the life of Joseph, and that's going to finish out your reading through the month of March. And uh, then we'll get into some reading uh, up to the uh, up to the um, up to Easter. And uh, we'll work through that. But for now, for this week, we need to talk about these passages that relate to Jesus as the religious scholar. And so I went through and selected the probably the most familiar ones. And, and really, these are Jesus' confrontations with the religious leaders. And I think that's probably um, one of the biggest things you find in the Gospels. He always has this confrontation with the religious leaders. And I think the main reason we have to remember is that he had a strategy with it because if he could get through to the religious leaders, then the religious leaders could in turn teach Jesus's teachings to the people. It was kind of a way, think about in the Old Testament when there was a prophet who spoke for God to the king. The prophet would go to the king and tell the king, thus saith the Lord, this is what the Lord says. And if the king was good and listening, then he could um, he could push it out, so to speak, to all the people, rather than the prophet going one by one and taking forever. So in the same way, Jesus teaching with these, um, or these confrontations with these religious leaders, think of it in the same way. If he could get to, get through to the religious leaders, then they could disseminate the teachings of Jesus all to the people. So they were kind of blocking and preventing, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll find out, the religious leaders were Jesus' message from getting to the people. Um, so that's kind of the strategy, if you can think of it, from a 30,000 point of view. <laughs> now, we have got several passages to look through today. Um, so, uh, Brother Bill, what do you think, uh, what, uh, which one of these passages um, did you study more than the other one, I should say? Or maybe which one of these passages <laughs> was... Uh, 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 maybe you saw something new in this passage that you haven't seen before. These are all familiar. We've probably read through most of these anyway. Mm-hmm. Priests yep. are taught through a lot of them. Uh, but was there anything different this time that stuck out?
1: No, they all these are, are pretty much intertwined. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, you uh, as you go through these, you uh, you find that uh, the the Pharisees, of course, you talk about looking for wor- repetition, you know, well, it, yeah. that's what's repetitious, and this is Pharisee, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the word yeah. Pharisee, because uh, every one of these passages talk about the Pharisees. But, uh, you know, it's interesting how I found that the Pharisees, they got so wrapped up in what they wanted to say and what right. they believed and what they, were well, they're trying to discredit Jesus because they didn't want the people to follow them. And, uh and it was kind of interesting how they missed some things that Jesus was trying to tell them. And of course that's happens today. That's exactly yeah. what happens in, in, in our church today is people hear the word of God and they know that's the truth. However, their minds made up, you know, so don't confuse me with the facts. My mind's made up. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Don't, don't try to convince <laughs> yeah. me otherwise. Uh,
1: right. And, um, so those are, that's something that I saw through, through all of this was that they, they missed a lot. Um, uh, I mean, just like in uh, in the beginning here, you know, when whenever that uh, we were looking at Mark chapter two, and yeah. and uh, here the disciples, you know, they were going through the grain field, whether it's a cornfield, grain field, whatever. Yeah. But they were going through, I think one uh, translation says cornfield, and as they were <laughs> plucking that ear corn, and as they was shucking it and kind of pulling off the grains and everything, the Pharisees were there. Now you wonder. Well, what's the Pharisees doing there? Yeah, like they're following them, like they're 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 tracking them. They're tracking them, you know, (laughs) they're they're just following them. And we find that all through here because in one place, you know, it says that uh, the Pharisees were there. They had actually come from from Jerusalem. Uh, to Galilee, just to kind of you know see what Jesus was doing,
0: yeah they were they were um, yeah, they were watching them. and you think of tracking them, I mean, they were ready for them, and ready for Jesus, yeah. uh, to make a mistake to trip up so they could kind of kind of catch him. Um, reminds me of that slogan I've seen. I think it's. Uh, might be a Coast Guard slogan that says, God, we trust, everybody else we track. We track. And uh, I think that's hilarious, <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. It's so true. And I think I saw it on the back of a, of a, of a boat somewhere or a battleship <laughs> or something. Yeah. And it's true. And they're here and they're ready. And, and of all things, you know, they're upset about them going through a, a certain grain field and eating on the Sabbath. And, I, well,
1: and, I, I, and the interesting thing about that. Is the, uh, is the fact that they was questioning Jesus, well, why are your disciples doing this? They're, that's against the law, you know, yeah. that doesn't go along with what Moses says. And yeah. and of course, Jesus goes through all of this, you know, about uh, the things that are lawful and everything. But it's interesting that at the end of that, in the 27th verse it says the Sabbath was made for man yeah. and not man for the Sabbath. And then Jesus said, so then the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Yeah. And he was actually telling them, you know, he's talking about himself and they missed that. They were so wrapped up in what the disciples were doing with this, taking the grain and being disobedient to the law. They missed what Jesus said there because they never said anything about it. And they, and they missed because Jesus
0: presents them. They missed what the old Testament taught about the Sabbath Oh because Jesus gives that example, says, no, what about David? Look at what he did. What about him? And I didn't include this, but in the Matthew passage of the, um, of the healing Mm -hmm. on the Sabbath, Matthew 12, Jesus also includes the priests as an example, too, because who worked on the Sabbath? Well, the priests worked all the time. So are they somehow, you know, they're eating the bread, too. Are they somehow unholy, too? So Jesus they missed it. And Jesus is also saying, Hey, look, you guys need to know what your scripture actually says. Yeah.
1: Well, that's the reason Jesus is a scholar, right?
0: Exactly. He, exactly. I mean, it's his word. He that's knows. Right. <laughs> I hope he does. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's true. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, from, from, um, discussions about the Sabbath, then the next passage is in, also in Mark and Mark seven about defilement. And this is the whole matter of, you know, what comes out of the body. And Jesus says, listen, you know, what you eat, your food and drink, that doesn't defile you. He says, what comes out of your heart is what defiles you. And they were Mm -hmm. so concerned with, you know, certain things they could eat and couldn't eat and couldn't do and not do. They're so concerned with those things. And that's why, you know, we hear a lot of times Jesus says, well, Um, I came to uh, push the spirit of the law and not the letter letter of the law. Mm -hmm. And there are reasons why those laws were there and set in place for specifics. I mean, you read through the book of Leviticus and there are reasons Mm -hmm. for that. They may sound strange and and crazy, but there are actually principles and reasons why. Um, Because God doesn't do anything just Hmm. by mistake. He always has a purpose to whatever he does. So even in there. But here the religious leaders, um, and I think it's interesting, is um, they... Um, in, in, this, in that passage in Mark chapter 7, uh, Jesus actually includes, or, or I should say Mark includes, two more miracle stories in Gentile territory. So here's Jesus doing these miracles in territory mm-hmm. with the, that was off limits. So in the Pharisees' eyes, he was also defiled. Filed. And yeah. uh, that's one of the reasons why um, I guess they pushed on him for that. But I mean, Jesus is clear enough and says, you know, what comes out of your heart yeah, you know, is what, that, what you. defiles you. Yeah. And I think there's a verse in Proverbs, I know there is, that says that. Out of the heart come, the, come issues, the issues of, issues of life. life. It's similar yeah. to that, maybe not yeah. the exact. See,
1: guard your heart with all diligence for out of it come the issues, come of, the the life. issues yeah. of life. Yeah, And so, um,
0: but again, those religious leaders were so concerned with the external and so concerned with um, doing things on the outside that they weren't even worried about their heart.
1: Yeah. Um, that's why Jesus says, well, you know, what goes in to the body goes into the stomach. Yeah. And he said, then it's processed and it's cast out. Yeah. But he says, what comes out of the heart, what what is in your heart, that's what comes out. It's going to eventually that's come out. That's what defiles yeah. the individual. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he gave a whole list of all of that stuff, too, of what what comes out of the man's heart. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good list. It's a rather no. ugly list. <laughs> and, uh, that's in Mark 7, chapter 7.
0: What about um, the probably the one that our readers are most familiar with here, the John passage, John mm. chapter three. I mean, this is Nicodemus and yeah. Jesus, and this is a good confrontation. Um, and I say a good, you know, Nicodemus here being the Pharisee he's not trying to um, trip Jesus up. He's not trying to confuse him. He's not trying to confound him. He, he wants to understand. Yeah. And, and you don't see this. And so to this, I look and I say, look, there's lots of religious leaders, probably many who actually accepted what Jesus said, but they were just afraid to come forward with it. And uh, Nicodemus being a a secret disciple, so to speak, of course he shows up later on at the death of Jesus, helping bury him. But to me, that screams and says, look, there were lots of people, because I think we have this notion that all the religious leaders were against Jesus constantly, you know, all on one side, it's us against you. But it wasn't, and here's a great example. Of Nicodemus, right. who um, just didn't understand salvation and he was trusting in those Jewish things like his ancestry, his heritage, and you know, are those things and Jesus says, no,
1: none of those things." It's well, you know he must have looked at Jesus as being, I mean something extra special because it's interesting when Jesus told him. Of course, he started out by saying, "You know, you're you're a great teacher. Nobody can do the things that you do unless he's from God." I understand all that. Jesus mm-hmm. ignored all that, and he just went <laughs> right into saying, "Unless a man be born again, you know, he can't enter the kingdom of heaven." And so, you. Uh, and he asked him. You know, Nicodemus asked him. He said, uh, uh, "Well, how can this be? You know, can a man, when he's grown, can he?" Enter into his mother's womb and be born again, and you know that that sounds kind of ridiculous. You know, we we think about that and yeah. say, "Golly, that just don't make any sense at all." You know, not at but, all. But he must have been looking at Jesus as thinking, "Well, you're going to share something with me about how this can happen that you can be born again through woman." You know, but uh, of course Jesus goes on to tell him, "You know, you got to be born of the flesh and born of the spirit." You know, born of water and born of blood, of uh, flesh and uh, and spirit. So. Uh, He said, that which is flesh is flesh, that which is spirit is spirit. And
0: And, and it makes sense because of his not understanding because... I'm thinking of the passage in 1 Corinthians 2, and, and Paul says, you know, the natural man only understands the things of the natural, and the, right. but the spiritual man understands the things of the spirit. And so here's Nicodemus, and he really hasn't come to accept Jesus as who he is, so he really doesn't know. And Jesus is trying to give him understanding. And so he gives us some illustrations too, kind of as a way of teaching and trying to explain it. And of course, I'm thankful for his confrontation with Nicodemus because... From that confrontation comes one of the most, well, if yeah. the not most familiar Amir. verse right. in all the Bible. I mean, the "For God so love the world" verse, and um, and but sometimes we miss the la- the second verse, verse seventeen. God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world, uh, but to save it. And so. There's so much there in that passage and his confrontation with Nicodemus. And so to to me, to us, as you read through, that's a good example. So look at Nicodemus saying, Thank the Lord that Nicodemus showed up and John included it. So now we have the benefit of of that conversation. Absolutely. And and we also know, hey, all the Pharisees, they weren't all they didn't all hate Jesus. There was some that didn't. And you find it's interesting too is that um, in the Gospels, and I think I may have said this before, but in the Gospels, the Pharisees seem to be the focus. Okay, mm-hmm. so the Pharisees are the ones that are confronting Jesus. He being the teacher, uh, and the Pharisees would, would be the ones who were at the synagogues every week, and Jesus was going to the synagogue, so he was kind of in their territory. Jesus wanted to be associated with the common people, and so they taught the common people, and so it's 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 they're the confrontational point. Um, in the Gospels, then you get into the book of Acts and another group comes along called the Sadducees. Sadducees yeah. And the Sadducees kind of become the forefront and they're the kind of politicians, the wealthy class of the day. it's because Peter and John are preaching at the temple steps, and the temple was the territory of the Sadducees. So there's kind of some differences just just to think big picture as well. as you're reading through the Gospels, the Pharisees seem to be the ones that that are causing a lot of Jesus's frustration. and uh, but again, uh, there are lots of ones here, and we're given a good example. Nicodemus is one who was uh, a good Pharisee, I guess we might call. It. I don't know if mm-hmm. you can say a good Pharisee or a bad <laughs> Pharisee, or, or, or other Pharisees. Well, what about the rest? What about? Um, I've got a passage here in Matthew, yeah. in Matthew yeah. and uh, Mark, Matthew sixteen and Mark eight, mm-hmm. um, and again in Matthew, the Matthew passage, uh, there's a sense of opposition. Um, in that Matthew passage, in Matthew 16, verses 1 through 12. And it also shows up in the Mark passage, Mark 8, 11 through 15. And the religious leaders uh, want a sign. They're constantly wanting signs, aren't they? They're constantly, show us a sign, show us a sign, show us a sign, (laughs) which shows that they don't believe or they're still looking for it. Or it's almost as if uh, Jesus hasn't proven himself. And you think as you read through the Gospels, I mean, how much more proof does he need?
1: you know it's interesting too that uh, in in Matthew there it says that uh, the Pharisees were seeking a sign and uh, he said Get, show us a sign from heaven and i kind of have to chuckle with that because then Jesus says well here's your sign from heaven he says you know when it's red skies in the morning i know, <laughs> you, know so he, you know how? he the old adage Yeah. yeah. he just throws back at him so you you recognize a sign from heaven when exactly. it's red skies in the morning you yeah. know sailor's warning you yeah. know it's Red Scott at night, sailors alike, you know exactly so, uh, and it just kind of makes you chuckle a little bit that Jesus had a sense of humor with these guys, you know said, hey, you got signs, you just don't know how to interpret them and um, mm-hmm. and and he run into that even with his disciples uh, because you know it's the same passage' he was talking about the bread they had forgotten to bring bread and they mm. were concerned about bread and Jesus was telling them says you know beware of the leaven of the Pharisees you know yeah. and, and they uh, kept asking questions kept, about bread they kept asking him, because <laughs> they thought he's talking about the bread exactly <laughs> and uh, finally Jesus just had to tell them says you know how long are you going to be like this that you don't <laughs> understand what I'm and then finally uh, they understood he's talking about the leaven of the Pharisees yeah. the fact that their teachings and all were were we're spreading and and adding, you know, to uh, to the controversy and everything that's going So yeah. don't pay attention to them. Don't follow them. You know? Yeah.
0: In, in verse 12 of chapter 16 of Matthew, that's that verse where it says, then at last they understood, understood. that he wasn't speaking about the yeast in bread, bread, but about the deceptive teaching. I'm reading from NLT. Deceptive teaching of the Pharisees and, of course, and Sadducees. He includes them there as well. So, yeah, I mean... You know, he was, and even in the Bread of Life discourse in the Book of John, they still can't; they're still not understanding what he's talking about. And, mm-hmm. and you know, maybe so. Maybe if we were put in his, in their shoes, we'd have trouble understanding too. But the yeast is interesting as well. For the yeast, of the Pharisees it has the idea of, I guess, it can grow, grow. like yeast can grow, yeah. and so their deceptive teaching can also grow and infect others. Um, there might also be a connection to um, why during the Passover maybe they get the yeast out of the bread. I don't know. I've never really. Um, made a, or unleavened bread, unleavened bread. Yeah. 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 yeah, with no yeast. Of course, I think that was designed so they could take it with them for long distances. When right. the first Passover, yes. when they were leaving uh, Egypt and going to the Promised promise Well, yeah. Trying, yeah. To trying to go to the promise land. To Promised <laughs> Land, yeah, yeah had, had some struggles along the way for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they don't—they don't, they don't get it—the the yeast. And of course, when Jesus does say, "You want a sign here? Uh, I'll give you the sign of Jonah," and then yeah. Jesus leaves them. Yeah. He just leaves them yes. hanging. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, The sign of Jonah, meaning the three days, three days in the belly, three days Jesus' resurrection. And but if they knew their scriptures, they would have connected those things, yeah. But again, they can't they know how to interpret the sky, but maybe not. I guess they're maybe just looking on the surface and not looking deeper into the um yeah. into the into the uh, word. Now, an interesting verse, I think it's in the Mark 8 passage, and I think, um. This is one of those things that just just it hit me because I don't think I've read this before. Um, I think it's Mark 8 and verse 12. Um, same thing we're talking about here. It says um, verse 11. It says, "When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came and started to argue with him, testing him they demanded that he show them a miraculous sign for him to prove his authority. And my translation says, "When he heard this, he sighed Sigh deeply. He mm-hmm. sighed deeply in his spirit. He says, why do these people keep demanding miraculous signs? I tell you the truth. I will not give this generation any such sign. So he got back in the boat and went to the other side. He just sighed. And you can kind of feel as I sat there and thought, wow, you know, here's Jesus. Yeah. And they're constantly asking him to authenticate his ministry. He's doing it all the time. And yet they're still asking him, okay, give us more, give us more, give us more, give us more, give us more. Give us more. And, and and he he he's constantly trying to authenticate that. No wonder he was frustrated, no oh, wonder he was exhausted. Absolutely. No wonder he sighed or had to get alone and, and have time with the Father. <laughs> I'm sure he had questions, says, Lord, this is are you sure this is what you want yeah. me to do? I mean, these Pharisees are are not letting up. They're just constantly asking me these same things. And, and yeah. it's it's like they were wanted Jesus to be a um, like a, a genie in a bottle, you yeah. know, uh, like a cosmic genie, you know, come on, just supply what we yeah. want you to do, you know? And, and Jesus says, no, I'm not going to give you a sign. I've given you plenty of signs. And I think that's true because it comes to a point where, you know, mm-hmm. enough is enough. And if Jesus knows when enough is enough, then, then <laughs> enough is enough. Enough, enough <laughs> is enough.
1: Well, you know, you, you kind of run into that and, and I know I've pastored before and uh, and and I sympathize with with Pastor Lemming that, that you know sometimes you you stand and you preach and you share mm-hmm. and you do all oh. you can to and it seems like it goes over the heads of some people mm-hmm. and then you get you, you know you just sigh when when will they grab this when will they grasp what what the scripture is saying uh, we we all have room to grow we can all move up and. And sometimes we just, uh, we miss all that, and, and we don't move up to point to where we should.
0: You know, I'm convinced that um, the older I get, which I'm not that old, I'm 41, mm-hmm. but the older I get, the more I find that preaching, um, and you probably agree with this, I hope you agree with this, if you don't, you can act like you do. <laughs> <laughs> the more the older i get the more i the more i think that preaching is just constantly reminding people what the bible already says And I think there's a book out there, I've never read it, but I think I've seen the title, something like preaching as as being a reminder or as reminding. And it's just constantly reminding Mm. people because we forget. Even we forget as preachers and teachers, we forget and we have to be reminded. That's why Mm -hmm. being in the word, rooted in the word, like the podcast each and every day can help remind you of these things. I had forgotten that, you know, when Jesus had this conversation here that he actually sighed. It was like, Huh, like he was, he had it up to here. Yeah. And so I was reminded of that because I read through it. And so, you know, you get up in the pulpit and, and, and you're preaching or a pastor might be preaching and you're like, well, why is he preaching the same uh, series of messages on the same thing? He wants to remind you yeah. about the same thing yeah. every single time.
1: Well, we find Apostle Paul did that a lot. He said, I want to bring us to your remembrance. Yeah, yeah exactly. I want you to remember that. Exactly, I, I great point. Us, yeah.
0: And he actually uses that they, phrase all the time. He used it a lot. Bring this yeah. back because he knew, he knew that they were forgetful. He knew the uh, human nature yep. is to forget. And that's why um, constant reminder. And that's why we have the Word of God. Can you imagine if we were living in the first century and didn't have it? We wouldn't know. We'd have to memorize portions of it. We'd have to rely on the teachers that come through to remind us of what it said, right? But we have it in front of us. I think
1: that's because, too, that we we live in such a fast-paced world, too, and we're bombarded from every side on the pressures of life. And that causes us to forget or to push back those things uh, that we learn from the Scripture uh, whenever that's what's more important is the things from Scripture. And that's the reason we need to be reminded so we can keep, keep that in front of us.
0: And that's yeah. why we assemble together every, every single, single week. week to be reminded. That mm-hmm. I mean, if that's not a plug for making sure you're in church each and every week, I don't know what is. Um, just reminding you of what Scripture says. And there is a lot <laughs> of what Scripture has to tell us. And so there's plenty to be reminded about. Um, and so that's why we gather together to assemble together and, and we, from the preaching of God's Word, we can be reminded of what He's already said. I mean, there's nothing that's new, new here. No, It's, all, it's, it's all, all here. We just have to read it, have to, have to apply it. Uh, and, and sometimes it just takes a good reminder. Um, and sometimes it takes a, a different person speaking from maybe that same no. text. Absolutely. A different way, different response. Okay, well, this is not about homiletics, uh, which is the art and science of (laughs) preaching, but this is about where we're trying to go through the text here. So we also have Mark 12 and Luke 10, which this was the question that Jesus asked, or excuse me, the lawyer came and asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, uh, all of them are. (laughs) He says, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And basically he was doing, and we've mentioned this before, he was summing up the... Ten Commandments, because the first four commandments talk about loving God. The last six commandments talk about loving others. So in essence, Jesus was putting his seal of approval on following the Ten Commandments. They're not ancient, not an ancient decalogue that we get to throw out today. Jesus actually puts his seal of approval yeah. on that. And, uh, But I think it's funny that this lawyer comes and, and asks Jesus the question, Um and this is another one of those examples, and I think this is the reason why I highlighted it in Matthew 12, um, of a religious leader because he was a lawyer. So some say he was probably he was a scribe, scribe. or a, a, of some mm-hmm. kind. And I think I wrote it down here in verse. Um, I think it's in the. It might be in the Luke passage, but at the end of what he's saying. Um, I, I think it's in the Luke passage. I'll find it here in a minute, but. Jesus commends the lawyer oh, yeah. because the lawyer. Yeah. It, it sounds like in the is that in the Luke yeah. passage or in Mark? Well, the it's
1: ma- a, it, in Mark here, he, or in the he Mark tells it's maybe uh, the wrong the, one. <laughs> uh, well, he said that the scribe told Jesus. He said, "You are right, teacher, uh, that you have correctly said," because he knew, he knew those. He knew that that was part of of the of the word, right? Uh, and then we find, that, you know, Jesus, uh, you know, he he shares with him about, uh, loving the Lord, your God. And of course that is part of the old Testament too. We find that, uh, uh we find that in what is it? Deuteronomy chapter yeah. six. Yeah. And yeah, that, uh, that's in, and we, we find that, uh, loving with the heart is affections the soul is the spirit. And, uh, we find that the mind is our intelligence, our intellect and our strength is our will. So true. Man. So true. So that that kind of uh, embodies all of us. That's the whole thing. That's all of us. That's it's everything yeah. about us. Yeah. Yeah. I found the
0: verse.
1: Okay. Was it? Yeah.
0: I was looking at Matthew. Yeah. You know, it's when you abbreviate Matthew and Mark, it's so easy. <laughs> it's, Mt, Mk. You don't know what book you're in. Yeah. So I found the verse here. And it's in uh, Mark chapter 12, like you said. And I was yeah. looking at my notes and it said, Matthew, I'm so confused.
1: They saying you're not far from the kingdom of God. <laughs> exactly.
0: That's what he says. Yeah. So I was looking for verse 34. He says, yeah. realizing how much the man understood Jesus said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. So this man knew he, he, yeah. he Jesus was like, you're almost there. You're going on the right track. So here's another example, like Nicodemus, another guy, a Pharisee, a scribe, religious leader here, mm-hmm. um, one of the teachers of the religious law, it says, um, verse 28. So he was close. He was getting it. So, again, another great example in Scripture because they're there uh, fighting that that stereotype that all the religious leaders hated Jesus were always against him.
1: You know, it would be interesting if we had some... Scripture that would tell us, you know, what did Nicodemus do after he received those inf- that information from Jesus? Yeah, what did true. this What did this uh, leader do after he had his confrontation? Did he go and start teaching these things that yeah. Jesus had shared with him? Or you know, it'd be nice to know. You know I think did, a lot of did, them.
0: You, uh, yeah, I think a lot of them were were scared. There, there's several uh, narratives in the Gospels that talk about when people were afraid. Uh, to talk about Jesus because they would be put out of the synagogue. Yeah. And the synagogue was the place where, uh, you know, just like our church today, the place where they, you know, would go to worship, would go to have teaching and have fellowship. And if you were put out of the synagogue, that would have meant that everybody is just pushes you away yeah. and don't have any contact yeah. with you at all. You're kind of left out in the dark. Yeah. Nobody wanted to do that, especially in first century when you needed all the help you could get. Uh, from your friends and your family, from your your, your religious body. Um, so they don't want to be put out. But, you know, then there are other times, like in Matthew 23, where Jesus just lumps them all in together, yeah. all the Pharisees. And if there's any uh, chapter in all of the Bible that has the most stinging rebuke to the Pharisees, mm. it's this chapter in mm. Matthew chapter 23. I mean, the scorching... Denunciations here, if I can say it correctly, uh, of the religious leaders. I mean, you don't find it anywhere else. And sometimes we call this the woe chapter, all the woes, only um, in comparison to all the woes in the book of Revelation. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's a comparison but here. There were
1: seven woes here. Is it?
0: That... Yeah, I think seven as well. And they're, Jesus is rebuking his pride, rebuking the religious leaders, their pride, their arrogance, their blindness. But one of the key verses that, um, there's actually two. In chapter 23 of Matthew, verse 3, and I think it's what he says, it's it's interesting, he says, The teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees are official interpreters of the law of Moses. That's what Jesus says. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. But, yeah. <laughs> These are his words, Jesus' words. It says they crush people with their unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Jesus says, Do what they do what they teach you, but don't follow their example because they're not well, they're following not it following. correctly. Yeah. And then the other one is in verse thirteen, which to me this is this is this is a big deal. He says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Mm-hmm. Now listen, you won't go in yourselves, and you yourselves don't let others enter, enter. either. Mm-hmm. I mean, he lays the blame for other people not accepting who Jesus is at the feet of the religious leaders. Absolutely, I mean, that... That's, that's a that's big serious, deal. That's that's a serious, a serious matter. matter. Mm-hmm. A serious matter. And, I mean, that's why Jesus spent that time trying to get through to the religious leaders. If he could get right. through to the religious leaders, then he the religious leaders could talk to the people and help spread that message. But it's like, you're the one that's in the way. Wow. God forbid that I'd ever get in the way of someone trying to come to faith in Christ. Or God forbid that I'd ever get in the way of somebody's... God's will for their life. (laughs) Uh, I've prayed that many times. If I'm in the way, Lord, move me out of the way. Uh, I don't want to be in the way of someone coming to faith in Christ. That's Uh, what
1: I I used to tell my church when I was a pastor, and I said, if you're in the way, get out of the way so others can find their way. Yeah, ain't that the truth? And get on the way. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Whether or not this chapter is not easy reading because there's a lot of things the Pharisees um Jesus denounced the Pharisees for doing. And you can read down through that chapter. I don't think we have the time to really talk through all of what's there. I don't even know how much time we've got left, three or four minutes or so. Um, but uh, chapter 23 is is an mm. ugly chapter. And, 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 and as you read through there, um, like Bill was saying, seven different times, so mm-hmm. notice, and I think it'll say, woe to the Pharisees, it depends upon yep. what translation you're reading. Yep. Woe, to the to Pharisees. Pharisees.
1: woe to the Pharisees, and
0: it'll say something, woe, and it'll say something, and so underline those key words, that'll help with repetition as well. Um, or I think my translation says, what sorrow awaits you, what sorrow awaits you, what sorrow awaits you, what sorrow awaits you, as you read down through here. And, and you can get a sense, and again Jesus is kind of lumping all the religious leaders together. We know there are exceptions, because we've just talked about them. But in general fashion, this is what it was like and can you imagine all the heartache and all the mm. constant frustration um, that Jesus would have had I mean he calls them snakes and vipers, vipers. Yeah. Um, I mean he calls them all different kinds of names um, and and it just gets worse and worse and worse as you read down through that
1: chapter yeah
0: any any last things you want to add well, about jesus the religious try, scholar i try to i'm sure you've got some of hundreds of pages of notes of
1: <laughs> but there was those three woes uh, the one the one woe where he said that you know you you pay your tenth and your mint and your deal and common and all that but then uh you know he said you you forget about justice and mercy and and all that and i think you know how true that is some people come to church they'll put in their highs and everything and yet they they go back out and they live differently than i think it's than, their right to do whatever they, they want they are, yeah right and then the, the other one where it talks about they were outside you know the cup they were you know they were um, they were clean but on the inside you know yeah. they were dirty and mm. and i always think about i always I always think about when i when i was working over at the plant and uh, we had a fellow there he had a coffee cup and he never cleaned out the coffee oh. cup, and it was just totally black inside. And every time I read this, I think of I think of his coffee. This must cup. have been well seasoned. Well seasoned. You didn't need didn't need any coffee. Just put water <laughs> in it. It would be all right. And then the the last one it was the whitewashed tombs. Yeah. And I'm already, always reminded of. Uh, mm-hmm. Now I'm from the south. I'm from Alabama. And. And uh, they do decoration down there at the graves and everything hmm. every year, and they're kind of faithful in doing that. Yeah, they they honor their dead, and, and I know one cemetery where my grandparents and great grandparents and great great grandparents wow. are buried, that they would actually haul in white sand and cover the graves with white sand on for decoration days. Hmm. And of course, you go and you put your beautiful flowers on there, and it looks good with yeah. that white background. White you know, and I always, I always think about that when I read this because I think you know, down under that, you know, there's nothing but dirt or uh, in Alabama red clay, <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh, and below that you've got bones, you yeah. got dead men's bones. Just yeah. and it just kind of goes along with what what they were saying. And, But uh, those are just some things that—that doesn't have anything to do with (laughs) our—I just wanted to throw that out. Uh, Those are things that— you know i'm reminded of when and it's
0: interesting as you're reading through certain bible passages your mind kind of goes into situations you've been in contact with and you're connecting keywords and things and 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 that's part of the holy spirit trying to speak to your mind Mm -hmm. and speak to your heart about this because sometimes you might not make connections and that's why you read and you know i mean i've given you several different passages from matthew mark luke i mean (laughs) you can go and read the the differing accounts and and really make good connections between them Uh, again because jesus is essentially saying the same thing in matthew mark luke and john it's just different authors writing it different ways highlighting different things and so there's a, a good thing to have like get a harmony a harmony of the gospel and you can read through the life of christ that way
1: absolutely
0: well i think that's all the time we have for this week so as you read this week and as you read about jesus the religious scholar just slowly read through those things, pay attention to repetition, don't lose sight of the big picture, Um, and uh, uh, we'll see you next time.